The biggest complication I see is overworking and burnout being the biggest threat to their resilience and their well-being because there's lack of boundaries. There is no separation. What I've really been working with clients around recently is how do we create some of those micro structures for you? Because we don't have just the natural organic separation of work and life now. They are so blended together. But if we don't have boundaries, you're constantly going to be leaking your energy all over the place or reactive to certain situations. And you can't be your best self. You can't make your best decisions when you're in that frame of mind. As business owners, how we personally react to change has a lot to do with how our businesses react to change. If we tend to roll with the punches and have strong personal resilience skills, our businesses probably will too. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. As founders and business owners, we tend to build businesses that reflect us. Our strengths become the strengths of the business. Our weaknesses become the weaknesses of the business because we're the ones building it. So investing in developing skills to strengthen how we personally deal with change can have a big impact on how we approach leading our businesses through change. And if you listen to the last episode with Alicia Abate, you know that the ability to be resilient and flexible in the face of change is a skill and a mindset that you can work on. You can't control the change, but you can control how you react to it. Meet Melody Wilding. She is a former therapist turned leadership and executive coach for smart, sensitive, high achievers who are tired of getting in their own way. Melody is a licensed social worker and a former researcher at Rutgers University. She is also a professor of human behavior at Hunter College, and she has a group coaching program all about building resilience. Melody is all about using systems and structures to help minimize stress, build resilience, and manage change. And today we'll talk about some of those techniques and systems you can use to help you personally build up those resiliency muscles and lead your team through change. Hey, Melody, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So you work with what you call sensitive strivers. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is, who those folks are? Mm -hmm. So sensitive strivers are high achievers. They're driven. They put a lot of pressure on themselves to succeed, but they are also highly sensitive in that they are people who think and feel everything more deeply. And biologically speaking, this is about 15 to 20% of people who have a genetic trait difference that actually leads them to have a more highly attuned nervous system. So they're actually picking up on more information, more things that are happening both around them in their environment, but also within them, their own thoughts and emotions. So these type of people, they're deeply caring. They give their 110% to, to everything that they do, especially their work, all with an inner world on overdrive. And so while these qualities, uh, it's just like any personality trait, these qualities uh, lead them to rise really quickly in their careers or their businesses because they are very driven, conscientious, thoughtful, caring. But 
on the flip side, these qualities do have shadow sides. So sensitive strivers tend to disproportionately struggle with things like self-doubt, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, people-pleasing, because they are so attuned to their own emotions and those of the people around them. Mm. Uh, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So because of that, I'm imagining that there is a lot of work that you need to do with them around dealing with all of those big emotions and how to manage those. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So sensitive strivers, you know, I've broken down the traits that sensitive strivers have into six different qualities, one of which is emotionality, that we tend to have uh, bigger emotions, as you were saying, more complex emotions. So we feel them to a, a depth and complexity that other people don't. And, you know, especially now in the climate and the year that we're in, it's been quite a roller coaster ride for people. And actually, I was just talking to um, uh, a member of one of my group programs earlier, and she was saying something she's starting to work on is not having a reaction to her reactions. So sensitive strivers tend to be the type of people who they may be uh, disappointed if a client doesn't come through, for example, or get frustrated because an idea is just not coming together. And we can get stuck in those emotions longer than most people if we don't have the right tools to deal with them. But we can also then have this sort of meta level reaction to our emotions where then we beat ourselves up for we feel bad about feeling bad um, because many of us have been shamed for having this level of sensitivity. We haven't learned how to accept it within ourselves and really just allow those emotions to uh, exist or as I like to say, metabolize them, have different uh, structures, systems, tools in place to metabolize and work those emotions through you so that you're able to move past them. You can't get rid of them, but you can learn how to not let them grind grind you to a halt or just stop you in your tracks. Hmm. Yeah. So as business owners, I think there's a lot of corollaries here, you know, having yeah. strong skills around managing and reacting to change and becoming personally resilient really impacts our businesses. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how you see that coming up with the folks you work with, or just in your in your ecosystem, especially mm -hmm. in the extra crazy time that mm -hmm. this year has been for managing yeah. change and learning how to be resilient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's the number one word I've heard over and over and over again from people is just this idea of resilience. And actually, I happen to have a group program called Resilient. <laughs> um, and one of the first exercises I have them do is define what resilience means to them. So I thought it might be helpful to go over that because I think it adds some some color around what this means to, to people. Um, so what I tend to hear from people is that resilience to them means dealing with whatever life throws at you, being able to bounce back from a challenge or uh, persisting even when things are not smooth sailing. Uh, I also heard using your lifelong experiences and learning to help guide you to a calmer situation or a place. 
uh, finding joy in difficult seasons, moving forward, even when you know something's going to be hard, but you know the, the process is worth it. And what I think is interesting about all these definitions is that it's not necessarily about the outcome. It's not necessarily about success or achievement, but rather this process of building inner strength, right? Inner fortitude. Um, and so what I've heard over and over again from people, especially those who are more sensitive, is that they they realize that they can't always control the world around them, but what they can control is their own experience of this year and the meaning they derive from it and wanting to get through uh, 2020 and the rest of uh, what we have of it and you know the, the aftermath because we're going to be living with the repercussions of uh, and, and the growth that's come from this year in many different ways, but doing that with less emotional turmoil and more peace. Mm, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, it relates in a lot of ways to the work I do with clients. So I help them build resilient businesses mm -hmm. in that we're creating structures and systems and, and ways to make sure that the operations of the business keep rolling even if there is times of stress or if you have to be away from the business for a long period of time or any of those things that we need to deal with and the ability to bounce back i think mm -hmm. really resonates with me on both sides mm -hmm. so speaking of systems structures a lot of those systems the structures the things that we've built that business owners and i think just busy professionals use to help manage stress or help them systematize resiliency or systematize the ability to kind of deal with changes a lot of those have really broken down this year or mm -hmm. just disappeared completely mm -hmm. and we are all dealing with managing a new level of change a new level of stress without those kind of systemic structures like you know schools Mm -hmm. um <laughs> you know yeah. they, they they you know for no no one ever really plans for schools to stop existing mm -hmm. you know as a parent it never crossed my mind that the schools yeah. would somehow not exist and um i think that's a good example of one of those st structures that we're mm -hmm. used to counting on for support for managing personal resiliency giving ourselves as adults time alone mm -hmm. Um, and I know that you are all about creating systems and structures to help you manage stress, your clients manage stress, be their best. But what are some of those techniques or structures that you recommend that you work with clients on, mm -hmm. particularly now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, like you were saying, I think this this year just kind of blew up everything that we had and also just the regular, um, the, the typical, um, mechanisms we had for separating work and life. And that's been the biggest com complication I see, especially for the people I work with, is overworking and burnout being the biggest threat to their resilience and their well-being. Because there's lack of boundaries. You're not leaving to go to a co-working space or your children aren't out of the house for whatever, six, eight hours a day. There is no separation. And for uh, business owners who are already put so much of their identity into their business, it it has just been compounded, you know, a, a hundredfold. And so 
what I've really been working with clients around recently is how do we create some of those micro uh, structures for you because we don't have just the natural organic separation of work and life now. They are so blended together. But if we don't have boundaries, you're constantly going to be leaking your energy all over the place or reactive to certain situations. And you can't be your best self. You can't make your best decisions when you're in that frame of mind. So something that I can provide, you know, a few uh, examples of what I've seen help some of my clients. Um, so one is creating uh, more structure to the week wherever possible. So some of my clients have done this by creating A and B weeks. So they may have an A week where that is all client man or you know that's all client service where they're working on a certain project or they have sessions whatever it may be uh and then the b week may be for more uh content creation other strategic work planning um but that sort of separation helps keep them in one mode and then another mode so they're not constantly switching back and forth because every time you're doing that there's there's an energy loss there and for sensitive folks like us who who run on that and who are so much more um uh, who are already putting out so much of our energy to other people we can't afford to keep task switching like that so either creating a weeks and b weeks can be very helpful or just theming your days you know sometimes it's not it's not possible or realistic to have a and b weeks and this is what i do in my business is i theme my days so i have certain days that are for clients and on those days that is all i do uh, and i'm very disciplined with myself about anything that falls outside of client service it it gets done on my other days and that just helps me create some boundaries around how i use my time so that i don't become burned out um, so that's one thing that's really helping people. Um, another is decision fatigue, <laughs> eliminating decision fatigue wherever possible. Um, you know, right now we, our attention is in so many different places and we have so much background noise. I often say it's like, if you have, you know, 25 apps open on your phone, they're all running in the background and draining your battery we have that in spades right now just with everything that's going on in the world um and so focusing on what you can control and eliminating to the extent possible decisions you don't have to make which i'm sure as you know that can involve things like automation um creating uh, standard operating procedures like for example something i've really been focusing on is uh my client onboarding and how can i automate that as much as possible. So really bringing in putting together new systems and processes. So that is all happening in the background and does not require my intervention to think about or track. Um, and just that, uh, that time savings has brought back so much more focus and a weight lifted off of me. Yeah, we we ended yeah. up doing something. Uh, so we realized that deciding on dinner not necessarily cooking dinner, yep. but deciding what to eat for dinner was one of those things that over the last six months has just gotten harder and yeah. harder and harder. Mm -hmm. um, and our solution was to start subscribing to a meal box so mm -hmm. that we didn't have to decide. <laughs> you had to decide here are three choices, yep. pick one. And that 
it's interesting that it was such a small tweak. I mean, that's not a very big thing to take off your plate. Mm. But after, you know, trying to manage virtual schooling, plus um, my husband runs a business too, mm. trying to run and negotiate the two businesses around virtual schooling, mm. uh, that was the decision. Like, that was the point where we just had started noticing that we just couldn't make any more decisions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and I, I was just i meal prep was the other example i was going to give deciding your meals in advance or for example deciding what workout you're going to do the day before so that it's not in that moment you don't have to choose which peloton <laughs> exercise you're going to do you've already pre-decided um and, and something actually uh that has worked really well for me has been a lifesaver is i have a separate email address that i use to sign up for um, newsletters, email lists, things like that, so that I keep all of that email outside of my normal inbox that I'm in 99% of the day, so that I'm the one who's making a choice when I want to go uh, read news, for example, or look through newsletters and click on links and things like that. I get to decide when that happens. I don't have those constant interruption interruptions throughout the day, so that because when something pops in your inbox, um, I mean, hopefully everybody doesn't have notifications on and, and things like that. But uh, again, that's another area where you are making micro decisions every few seconds. And that's, that, that's then focus you don't have to dedicate to the rest of your business. So that's something very minor that has been a real lifesaver for me and a lot of my clients have, ado have adopted that and really, um, really love it. Yeah, because, I, I love yeah. that idea. <laughs> That's, I, I have a like a tag that they automatically yep. get tagged, but they're mm -hmm. still in my inbox. And definitely throughout this time period, one of the things that I've noticed is that I really I've started like pausing my inbox and mm -hmm. trying to batch through. But so much of it is still um, and I'm pretty I'm pretty diligent about clearing out like subscriptions I don't like and unsubscribing from stuff I'm not using. And it yeah. still can be really overwhelming. So I love the idea of just a separate email address that it just goes there and you just pick it yeah and you also realize what's not essential and uh i think that's another lesson that's come out of this time period is that uh, it's really stripped away everything that that doesn't matter and has forced us to focus on what's most important right in front of us now because we don't know we don't know what is going to happen uh next week next month um, and we're all operating with such different bandwidth than we had before. Um, and so it just the, the emails is a little microcosm of that because you realize that at one point you may have thought it was so essential that you read through every newsletter that you get from a certain person or every bit of news that comes across your plate. And once you take it away, you realize that you're able to function without it. And it's not that important. So it's a, it's a nice way to... Um, especially as sensitive strivers, we tend to be perfectionist and maximizers. Um, and so it's a, it's a good way to let go of some of that and loosen around it. That is a really, so explain to me the term maximizer, because <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> yes. And also in no way feel personally attacked. <laughs> uh, d likewise. Um, so maximizers, this comes from uh, psychology where there are they have generally grouped decision making into two different types. So this is a big generalization. But you have maximizers who will look to make the most optimal decision possible. And then you have 
satisficers, so a combination of you know satisfying, um, it, who look to make just the best decision for right now. So they don't get caught up. They don't overthink things. They don't get caught up in, in needless details. Satisficers are more so, or I should say, taking a satisficing approach is having a greater bias towards action or just satisfying the most important criteria of a decision and then moving on. Whereas a maximizer may will not make a decision until they have satisfied all the criteria. So, you know, to bring it to a business context, it's kind of like if you're choosing a software, you will not make a choice about the software until it has every single bell and whistle and feature that you required versus satisfying, well, you'll take 70% of the features and figure out the rest, but keep moving forward. Well, that did feel like a personal attack. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. In in my head, I'm like, no, I haven't been messing around with evaluating course platforms for six weeks. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Is it worth it? Every small business owner wants to know that the money they spend on their businesses is worth it, that their investments produce results and help them grow. But if you don't know your business finances in and out, it's hard to know whether those expenses and investments are really worth it. Plenty of business owners, even the successful ones, feel like they're shooting in the dark when it comes to how they spend, save, and invest their money. Like you, they wonder if the ads they're buying, the software they're investing in, or the people they're paying are really paying off. And that's stressful. Feeling unsure about how you're spending or investing your money might be common, but it sure isn't fun. I want something different for you. I want you to feel confident that every decision you make is guided by your financial intel. I want you to be able to decide what actions to take to grow your business from a place of confidence and purpose, not panic, so that you can feel masterful at managing your money instead of inept or just plain scared. I want you to know exactly what's working so you can go all in and make your money make more money. This is what I do for business owners when I step in as their chief financial officer on demand. I help them parse the numbers, look for opportunities, and invest where it counts. We get clear on where they're getting in their own way and where the math just doesn't add up. And now I want to teach you to do the same for your own business, because trust me, you can. Join me for Think Like a CFO. It's a four-month accelerator, online workshop, and small group coaching program where I'll work alongside you so you can start thinking like a CFO and know that every penny you spend on your business is worth it. You'll dig into your relationship to money, put your financial data at your fingertips, and build systems of cash flow, taxes, and budgeting. I'll help you integrate your financial knowledge into your operational systems and technology so that your whole business works better. And by the end, you'll feel wildly capable with your money. Think Like a CFO is starting soon. So go to scalespark.co slash CFO to get all the information and sign up. I can't wait to work with you. So a lot of our listeners and business owners, and I know a lot of the people you work with, are they manage teams, they're leaders in their organization. So what are some of the ways that business owners can help their team members Mm -hmm. build resilience and support them in 
managing change, minimizing stress. How what are what are some tools that we can use to help out our team? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, let me say that the fact that the fact that you're asking this, the fact that the listeners are asking themselves this says so much about their thoughtfulness and their character as leaders, because there there are many business owners and leaders who this does not cross their mind. So the fact that you're even asking this puts you head and shoulders above the rest of people. And I hope eliminate some of that imposter syndrome that I think a lot of us feel of, am I a good leader? Am I really a great business owner? Am I qualified to do this? The fact that you care that much, it speaks for itself. So that's first. But I think the the biggest, and it probably seems very simple, is to ask, is to have conversations. Because every team and every culture even if your business is only, you know, yourself and a VA, you still have a culture is different. And so what I've encountered among clients, it really spans the gamut. I've had some people who their teams are really wanting, they're craving more connection. And when they've asked, um, things have come up where the team wants certain skill training or troubleshooting on certain areas. So those clients have organized kind of like mini masterminds where they'll bring together a few people on their team or bring in someone to come talk about a certain topic. Um, I've had other people say, you know, it would be really helpful if work and life sort of blended. So I've had some people bring in, um, uh, do offer fitness classes. For example, the the team will do like a, a yoga class in the morning together. Or I had one client where um, his team would do a reading time with kids. So someone would bring a storybook and read uh, over Zoom to the kids. So it was a nice way to give the kids something to do. It was a bonding time with the team and family. Yeah, I really um, love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Um and then I've had others where their team has said, "You know what? We are so zoomed out. Please, please no more meetings." And so they've created no meeting days where Fridays are just, you know, they have a blanket policy now where no meetings, you can do heads down work, that's for you. Um so I think it's it's mostly important to understand what your people want and need. Mm. Yeah, I, I love the aspect of personalizing it and, and understanding that every member of your team is also unique. So there's like this measure of what your company culture is and what your specific team wants and also what works for each individual member of your team who might mm-hmm. be dealing with trying to care for sick relatives or kids or you know they might be stuck in their house alone and really crave contact and I think I I love the idea of asking and having it just be very um, individualized and reactive to the specific needs at that point in time Mm mm-hmm And I think Mm -hmm. that's one of the opportunities that really came out of this the shift is it gave us a chance to kind of get knocked out of our traditional mindset of it has to be this way, there has to be this separation, it has to look like this, and give us an opportunity to really redefine what what that work looks like, what that relationship work with our work looks like, and how that blends together, because I don't think as as much as we would all like the world to return to the way that it was mm-hmm. before, I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, that was so that was so wisely said that I think you're exactly right that this has really uh, caused us to question <laughs> a lot of the way we were doing things before. And, you know, one, I, I don't know if I would say silver lining, but something that I've seen come out of this for for the people I work with in particular, um, they tend to be uh, slow to change, slow to adjust to change, um, because the hallmark of the trait of sensitivity is thinking and, and taking time before acting. But we didn't have that luxury in 2020. And what I've seen that do is rather than cause people to go into a frenzy, it's actually been a huge confidence builder for a lot of my clients who are business owners because they've had to step up more quickly. They've had to make adjustments. They've had to make quick decisions rather than overthinking things. So they are taking more of an experimental mindset to everything. And that has given them the gift of proving that they have so much more capacity than they ever thought they had before. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I I love uh, being, being more experimental has been a goal of mine as well because i tend to i want to systematize everything mm-hmm. before we do anything i want it to be a system and i want yep. it to be documented and i want it to be very clear and that's a really difficult way to mm-hmm. operate especially in a in a small business where things change so quickly um and so i love the idea that this was something that kind of triggered reluct re- people who are reluctant to change mm-hmm. to get some practice in that yeah. kind of um, mindset because I think it is something you have to practice if it's not mm-hmm. something that comes naturally. Absolutely. So, is there anything you think we should talk about or touch on here that we haven't yet? Well, I think on the uh, two things uh, on the team front, um, just a few other things that I, I'm seeing are important there. Um, one is being much more explicit in how you offer praise and having a way to celebrate with people. Uh, Because again, we don't have as much uh, organic interaction, but also people are feeling a little bit, I've seen a lot of doubt creep up during this time and imposter syndrome go off the rails, uh, largely because people are more isolated, we are more separated. And so our mind comes in to fill the blank, fills that vacuum with, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing a good job. I'm going to get fired. And so making sure that you're praising your team, that you take opportunities to celebrate, like, for example, just having a uh, Slack channel or thread where you're putting in wins or you're acknowledging people for great work they've done to go above and beyond on something that can make a huge difference to morale, people's commitment, um, and your own mood. So that's one thing I would add there, as well as not everything has to be a meeting. (laughs) And I think the the tendency now is, okay, let's have a meeting to talk through this or or that. And so I would say, uh, now more than ever, rely on the tools we have like Loom, uh, L-O-O-M is my best friend. And uh, I mean, I use it all the time now to do short screencasts uh, for my team. And so that we we have something documented, I can walk them through something or give them feedback on a deliverable without having to call a meeting for it. And that's, that's a lifesaver for everyone because, you know, right now, um, 
I would assume most people are not butt in chair for eight hours a day. They're kind of sneaking things in. Um, so just being empathetic to what other people have going on and the the Zoom fatigue that's happening. I love that. I have a, a violent hatred. It's probably <laughs> an understatement of meetings um, because, you know, my background is military and mm -hmm. higher ed where we have meetings about meetings mm -hmm. to prepare for meetings yep. and so my default now is always is there a way i can do this without a meeting mm -hmm. um and yes so i love that yeah uh and i think that's an excellent place to wrap up so where can our listeners find you if they want to connect with you or learn more about what you do yeah, so you can find me at MelodyWilding.com. And uh, I have a free guide there. It's called the five minute inner critic makeover that you can grab really walks you through some techniques for overcoming imposter syndrome, overthinking some of those mindset blocks that might be getting in your own way. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a blast. Being kind to yourself and empathetic to your team is a huge part of effectively managing a rapidly changing environment. And during periods of intense change, your bandwidth is probably a lot smaller than it was before. I know mine is. So finding systems and structures that work for you that can help you minimize that mental load, even something as simple as filing your newsletters into a separate email address so you don't have to review them as they come in, it can lighten the load. But find the systems that work for you so you can take care of yourself and help lead your business and your team. Next week, we're talking about how and why you need a contingency plan for your business. Being prepared has so much to do with being resilient. So hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our executive producer is Sean McMullen. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundvik. <laughs>